In a year where energy supply was top of mind, energy transition investment reached $1.1 trillion in 2022. That's a 31% increase on 2021 and roughly level with fossil fuel investment for the first time ever, according to Bloomberg NEF. It's certainly not an alternative energy anymore. But how are deals being done in this space today? Welcome to Spotlight. I'm Zach Bentley, America's editor at Infrastructure Investor. On today's episode, we'll be talking to two top infrastructure managers discussing how they originate renewables and energy transition deals, how this has changed over the years, and what they focus on while structuring offtake agreements. I began by talking to Matt DiNicolo, a partner at Energy Capital Partners who has been with the US-based manager since 2008. During this time, the firm has owned, developed, and operated over 16 gigawatts of renewable capacity. 15 years ago, you know, when we were in our first fund, we were doing some things where we were at the investment committee level of the GP underwriting single solar deals where we were buying land to sell into the California market. I remember that being one of the first things we did in solar back in 2008 was buying some land and saying, we're going to start from scratch and this is going to be a portfolio company that's a single asset that hopefully grows into multiple assets. The way that things have evolved, I mean, I look at our portfolio now and we have six businesses that are doing some mix of land, interconnect, engineering, commercialization, financing, procurement, construction, operations, right? So it's really evolved where a single portfolio company for us now will not be a single project. And we, you know, at our level are going down there. During this time, ECP has also explored various models of asset management. We have one business that's a developed flip model where, you know, they don't spend time on commercialization or financing because they're selling the projects to parties who will deal with the commercialization and financing. But the other handful of businesses we have today, we want to build shiny new things, infrastructure, and we want to own it, you know, for some period of time. And, you know, that crosses from wind and solar and batteries, depending on the business. And the scale of those might be utility scale, might be mid-scale solar, it might be smaller batteries, it might be residential solar and batteries. But the point being, and for the most part, when we look at our job as infrastructure investors, it is, you know, going all the way through operations and building and owning the projects, which is that IPP model. But there are places where the opportunity and the returns are very compelling in the developed flip model as well. I also spoke to Alex Darden, a partner with the Stockholm listed manager EQT. His firm, the fifth largest infrastructure manager in the world, according to Infrastructure Investor's latest ranking, is a relatively new entrant to the renewable space, but it made a decisive move in July 2021 to acquire American solar developer Cypress Creek, which operates two gigawatts of renewables across 14 US states. It's an owner and an operator of solar generation and storage assets as well. And we see multiple value creation opportunities within that platform. So there, there are opportunities to optimize its development machine to really create a replicable process that can effectively manufacture gigawatts every year. And that's one thing that we need to do in this country is manufacture a lot of gigawatts of clean and renewable generation capacity over the next couple of decades. We also see opportunities to expand the company into storage, which is going to be another critical part of driving this energy transition as we try and firm up the delivery capabilities of the uh, generation system. Darden is not only focused on future development, but also on the future proofing of the energy transition market. One of the things that we're focused on is that we really want to buy companies that we can future proof 
and that are having a positive impact on society. So, so we do want to focus on companies where we can primarily upgrade and grow existing infrastructure and improve the operational excellence at the company. So we like to say, take a good company and really make it great. And that exists on both sides of the equation, whether it's on the direct renewable side or on the more differentiated companies that are going to still have a massive impact on the energy transition overall. Danicolo raises the example of Terragen, ECP's wind, solar and battery developer that it moved into a continuation fund in 2021. This, he says, illustrates how early stage ECP is willing to go. They have a team that starts by identifying sites that have good resource and access to interconnect. And that is absolutely part of the suite of things that they do. Other businesses that are focused on, you know, CNI, solar, will be doing the same thing on smaller scales. But yes, it's starting with that land team, some of which is outsourced, but the underwriting of land is a big part of this business. And it's why 15, 20 years ago, you know, a lot of renewables guys who started in the earlier mid 2000s were real estate folks who came across and said, we can do this. This is just a different type of development. What's also become different in the industry is the move beyond wind and solar. Batteries, as mentioned by both Nicolo and Darden, is one additional vertical to become more mature in the last few years. However, both ECP, through its recent acquisition of Biffa, and EQT, through its 2021 investment in Gavanta, have both moved into the waste energy field. It's not a classic renewables company, but it sits squarely in that energy transition as it beneficially repurposes waste to produce enough renewable energy to power 1 million homes every year. And that's in a carbon negative way. So there are going to be a lot of different ways to solve the challenges that we've got. And we need to be open to it to a couple of different avenues. Part of the origination process also involves securing offtake agreements or choosing not to for those investing on a merchant basis. These used to be 20 year power purchase agreements with a utility, but that's changed significantly as the Nicolo explains. So what's happened in the last 10 years has been a proliferation on the buyers. So right now to give you a feel like Terragen's last large solar plus storage asset that they financed has several contracts of different terms, some seven, some 10, some 12, some 15 year contracts, all mishmashed together with different types of buyers. Community choice aggregators didn't exist before in that group. Retail energy providers who need to procure green energy are in that group. Corporates are in that group. You know, utilities are still in that group who need to procure reliability in a place like California that we all know desperately needs reliability from its green power. So that complexity of going from a, a single offtaker bond to things that very clearly the contracts are shorter, they're fragmented, and they have different structures is just way more complex. And where you know people who have deep experience in power and renewables can make attractive returns for their investors. And despite the economic turmoil of 2022, Private companies and public institutions signed contracts to secure a record 36.7 gigawatts, according to Bloomberg NEF. That stability of demand has been key for Darden. And so the nature of stability from cash flows can come from not only the contracts, but also from the market position of the company. So there's not necessarily a single answer in every situation, but generally we want to be able to demonstrate that downside protection during periods of economic uncertainty, like what we saw in COVID, and then also during periods of inflation, as we are experiencing recently and continuing even today. The Niccolo, though, warns of the risks some investors take and how they may come back to bite in the future. 
I think the biggest thing that we're glad to have avoided in the renewable space is a lot of contracts were signed up the last seven years or so on a firm basis where you're signing it up with a commodity shop and doing a financial transaction instead of physical and saying, I'm going to sell you power a certain number of hours every single month. And in situations like the winter storm URI where turbines freeze up and you're unavailable, you're still obligated to have supplied, which means that you are short electricity. That is the biggest pitfall as things have gotten more complex in the renewable offtake regime of people being short asymmetric risk as developers, which is just rule number one of project finance. And I would argue infrastructure investing is if you want to have asymmetric upside, that's okay, right? We could hedge our power plants with a chance to make some outsized returns sometimes. But if you're going to hedge in a way where you could be short, a very high power price in a dramatic event like a heat wave or a winter storm, that's where people have really hurt themselves. And you've seen a history of loss in, in the renewable developer regime. For both Darden and Nicolo, there's been plenty of change in this space since they started analyzing such deals in 2008. That continues to bring new challenges every year. In terms of what we've done within our companies, I wouldn't have thought that we'd have renewable developers with 24-hour desks, but we do. And we need to now because all of a sudden you have a day ahead dispatch plan, you're trading in the 15-minute and, and five-minute real-time markets, and you're selling different products. You're selling ancillary products like regulation up, regulation down that are absolutely critical to the economics of some of your renewable projects that include batteries that were never, never considered again five or 10 years ago when it was just wind or solar, plain vanilla, one-off taker. Indeed, total corporate funding in the energy storage space was up 55% with $26.4 billion invested in 2022, according to Mercom. It seems when it comes to energy transition, records are there to be broken. Thanks again to Matt DeNicola of Energy Capital Partners and Alex Darden of EQT for joining us. If you want to hear more episodes of Spotlight, you can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or check us out at any of PEI Group's various titles online. For Infrastructure Investor, I'm Zach Bentley. Thanks for listening.